Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. You know, in looking back at your guys' um, career, I was amazed that that first record had six singles. I think out of 10 tracks, six of them were singles. I mean, that's just incredible. MCA was just working that for you guys. Yes, yes, they <laughs> worked that record. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, I felt that, you know, we had, like, I'm the One Who Loves You was my favorite song on that album, that first album. And so, um, and then you also had, I think, Human Toy, and it was one more. I out of Town phone, Lover. Uh, I mean, we just, we missed the mark with Out of Town Lover. So, you know, I felt that, you know, pretty much every song could have been a single, you know, but that's just me and my, that competitive nature, I guess. Well, it becomes sort of a greatest hits debut almost, you know? Um, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, even my um, wife, who I hadn't met, you know, I met her years later, you know, she had that album. Everyone had that album, you know? And uh, the second record had four singles, so that's still pretty good. You had 10, mm -hmm. 10 singles yes. mm -hmm. in like two years or whatever it was. So, I mean, you were right. just dominating the airwaves. Yeah, we were blessed. We had a, a machine behind us, so it's not enough to create good music. You got to have that machine behind you. And MCA Records was definitely that machine. They pushed it. Yeah. Aside from Luther, who you mentioned, um, who are one or two of the acts that you guys played with in the 80s that just you thought was tremendous or just had just a killer show? Zap, Roger Troutman and Zap, for sure. For me, Roger Troutman and Zap. And then, you know, this is these are unsung guys here. Um, Stone City Band, boy. They could go. So between Roger Troutman and Zap and the Stone City Band, boy, yes, that's Rick James' band. All right. Tina Marie and Cameo for me. Did you do any, like, Funk Fest kind of shows where you crossed over um, with any George Clinton, P-Funk, Bootsy kind of stuff? or No. No. No, no. we sure didn't. It would have been nice to play with those guys, but no, we never, never played with them. Did you ever, did you ever get to uh, meet Prince? Oh yeah, we played. We performed at his club at Glam in Slam? Minneapolis. 
Was it Gwyneth? Play, um, no, it was, was the one that's in the movie. The one that's in the movie. First Avenue. First Avenue. First yeah. Avenue, right. And the time was there. Prince was there too in the back. He never came out to see us, but he was he was watching. And that was a I mean, that was a very, very dope experience playing at the First Avenue. Yeah, I've I've been there but never seen the show there. Love to. Oh, we did meet Prince. We met him at, uh, I think he had did a concert. We went backstage. I think he was doing a meet and greet. It was me, Greg, and somebody, I think it was Melvin. I don't know if you were there, Willie, when we went to meet no. Prince. No, I wasn't there. <clears throat> yeah, but, you know, he was a very quiet guy. <laughs> 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 he didn't have too many words to say to us. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, because competition, man, was strong. Yeah, you, you figure some some of the folks we ran into, like um, Luther, who shared a bunch of information, like Roger Troutman and Zap, who shared a bunch. In fact, our bus burned down um, one time, and our equipment, <laughs> you know, wow. got damaged. They right. let us use their equipment. We were on the same show that night. Uh, and they let us use their equipment. So that was, I mean, you know, that's that's phenomenal for us. So so right. things like that, you know, you get artists, you run into artists that just, you know, help you out and show you the ropes and others who are just reserved. And, and you got to respect it. You know, they may have went through something or, <clears throat> you know, with somebody and, you know, just you just never know. So you you still respect them because of it. Yeah. Well, you hear all kinds of stories, you know, the good ones and the not so good ones, you know. Right. Exactly. Of tour mates. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sometimes they'll sabotage you. Sometimes they'll help you. Right. Right. Yeah. We've been yeah. sabotaged. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to mention them. But... We yeah. had the plug poured on us. <laughs> we plan and then there's no sound all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's because you're too hot or maybe uh, <laughs> yeah. playing a little longer than they want you to. Or both. Who was kicking? Who was kicking butt? Period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so moving to the third record, what did you guys hope to accomplish with that one? That was maybe a little different, or a little change, or a tweak from what preceded it. Rough and ready. Um, of course, the the look of that album cover. Basically, we wanted to still be that rough edged group. But prove that we're ready, ready for the world. So that's that's that motorcycle look and the sound. We right. tried to bring that sound in the same fashion. So that was internally within the group. You guys decided you wanted to go in that direction, or was the label making suggestions, or did you have management that was making suggestions, or? Well, I you know they led us along the way, but no, I think. That was us. That was that was yeah, that was our creativity. That was us. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, you were getting um, some hip hop influence, right? And absolutely, maybe a little touch yeah. of New Jack Swing and that kind of New, stuff. Was I, was to, to, I was just about to say that New yeah. Jack Swing, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I went and so, got the same drum machine that uh, Taylor Riley uses called a Korg DD1. I went and got the same drum machine so I could mimic that on a song that we did called My Girlie. So thanks, Taylor Riley. 
Did you guys meet him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've met him. We've done a bunch of shows with a guy. Mm-hmm. And Black Street. How'd you feel about the reception of that record? I mean, that song did well, but, um, you know, the record didn't overall do as well as what came before. Right. Um, I think for the most part, that sound, that particular sound was very hot over in like the DC, Virginia area. And so it, it was very influential in that area, but elsewhere, not so much. So I think that's why that song didn't do as good. Um, and plus, I think uh, MCA started focusing elsewhere as well. You know, right. they definitely that machine started turning in a different right. direction. You know, they didn't put the marketing dollars behind that to push it. Right. Did they have some changes in the ranks and things like that? Is that part of that? Yes. Uh, so <clears throat> there were a few guys who went on to do other things. I, I believe at that time, Gerald Busby uh, went Motown. over to Motown. Motown. And Lowell Silas, he went over to hit his own label, uh, Silas Records. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not only were was MCA going in a different direction, the people who were, who were initially heading our direction um, we're no longer there. So just a host of different things kind of happened, which is why I give a lot of credit to the machine, you know, especially when we first kicked off because it's important. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. One record that didn't chart, I guess, Shame was pretty funky. I liked it on there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Greg, that was Greg's song. Greg Potts did Shame, Shame. And you know how he got the idea from that song came from, I know you know MC Hammer, right? Mm-hmm. So MC Hammer had this drum machine. So Greg got the same drum machine and that's where he got that influence from to do same, same, same. It's got that same kind of sonic sound to it. Yeah. And were you guys still uh, regularly touring at that point or had you come off the road? Well, we were still touring. Um, you know, we- I tell you, the managers that we were with, they, you know, they were the same managers uh, who managed New Edition. And if you know about New Edition, they always work. So they kept us working as well. So we we kind of had to write and create on the road, which was cool because we went and bought our own little small, um, like the drum machines, and you know, uh, that's when things began to turn from analog to digital. So we were getting computers to start recording, you know, just different things like that. So it was still cool, but yes, we, um, we definitely had to write on the road. And the next record, uh, 91, that was your last for MCA, um, straight down to business. Right. I felt like that was a little bit more back to where you had come from, whereas the rough and ready was a little bit like of a departure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I think we were were definitely uh, the influences that changed for sure. Sounds had changed, so you know we were still trying to just stay relevant in all of that. Right. Um, 
from a writing perspective. So that's that's what you heard. Yeah, a little bit of like the heavy right. D, heavy D kind of like vibe. Right. Some of that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It definitely had yeah. a hip hop appeal to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of body comes to mind when you mention heavy D. That was one of the right. songs that definitely had that. And and of course that was never released, but I, I think that would have did fairly well. Yeah. So what happened then? I mean, how did you guys take um, moving on from MCA and what was happening with the group at that time? Well, <laughs> management. We, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of things turning, okay? Um, moving on from MCA was going to be okay because we had other offers on the table. Um, mm. uh, we had a however, big offer on the table. No, no, yeah. we had a gigantic offer on the table. <laughs> and uh, it was, the lead singer decided to do something different. <laughs> so he left us. <laughs> yeah, so Period. He, he had influences uh, from a business perspective uh, that steered him to go solo. Uh, we we respected that, you know. We we felt that he could have went solo and plus still stayed with the band and and took that multi million dollar deal that was was being on uh, being placed on the table. Uh, instead, he went and just went solo and kind of left that deal where it was. So that was pretty much the beginning of the end to the reign, if you will, uh, within that era. Yeah, so he ended up doing only one solo record. Did he do more than that? He did two. two. Yeah, he did two. One was released off uh, MCA, the other one I- independently. Yeah, so but only one with the MCA deal. Right. Yeah. And then you guys did one sort of independent too, right? Uh, without him. We did. Right. Uh, no, we did more than one. Well, in the 90s, right? Oh, in the 90s. Right. Okay. In the yeah. 90s, yes. Um, and you hooked connected with Jay King for that, right? Yes, yes. Uh, we released that was in toward the end of the 90s. Yes, we released a song, uh, that was distributed through MCA, uh, through a label called Thump Thump Records. And yes, Jay, Jay King engineered that. Okay, yeah, that was the one in 2004. Freak the World was 96. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That Freak the world. Right you guys were really wanting to like get a lot off your chest that you couldn't do previously <laughs> on that one, right? <laughs> right. Hey. We did a lot. Yeah, yeah. We were we just... did a whole different stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that was a fun record. Yeah. Oh, you had a lot of interesting collaborators on that one too, right? Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. We did. That was the goal, pretty much. We wanted to get different genres of uh, hip hop. RV, yeah, you know, so. so we we tried to cover the whole gamut, pretty much, yeah, of that era. How how long? I I get the sense like that was like a while in the works before you got it out, right? It was. There was a bunch of curveballs being thrown left and right, you know, to get that that finished. So we we finally just settled on what we had because we recorded a bunch of tracks but we settled on what we had and just went on ahead and released it now as a guy as competitive as you've told me you are willie and being number one all that how did you take when you guys weren't 
selling at the level that you had been? And, and, you know, was that hard to, to deal with? Or were you just like, well, that's the way the business goes. Uh, I, I settled on that's the way the business goes. Uh, I understand that you have to have a machine and it's not, um, enough to just have good music. It's not enough to just have good musicians or just be good. You also have to have, you know, things, other things at play and churning in order to be successful in this business. And when you don't have them, you just got to accept that and, and keep it moving, recreate, continue to recreate. Right. Ultimately the process and the creativity and what you do musically is most important, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Correct. You got to do it for your heart and soul first. Right. Yeah. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about in terms of performing, you know, were you guys still performing without Melvin in the nineties um, and into the two thousands? No, we didn't perform again until Melvin decided that I guess the career path that he was on wasn't working either. Uh, so we decided to kind of get back together back around the 2004 um, time frame, And we started doing shows again together. So yeah, before, prior to that, no, we, we didn't do any shows. How and, was- and I, Go ahead. I, I think the reason why is because, you know, we felt we were too embedded into that lead singer thing. Um, and so without them, we didn't think we could get any shows. Uh, we were eventually wrong about that, but, you know, that's the way we felt back then. So other interests do you all have? You know, what were you getting into besides music? Um, I'm assuming you had a little more time on your hands. Good question. Creating uh, a label. We created yeah. track records, me and Willie and uh, Brian and another guy. We created a, a record label and put some artists out, started doing that uh, independently. Right. Uh, one one of the groups, uh, Top Authority, we had mm-hmm. some good success, in the, especially in the Midwest region. But overall, we, um, we cut a deal with uh, Dick Griffey, uh, Solar Records. Um, he had this distribution company. So we went through his distribution and uh, was able to put uh, that that album out, and it did fairly well. It did really good. It outsold Melvin's records. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, no, but it did. What, it what, did. What, 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 so was it hip hop or was it R and B or what? It was, was rap. It was rap, hip hop. What'd you guys learn from those experiences? That we we have to wear. I, I learned that we have to wear multiple hats at times. Um, when you don't either uh, have someone to do it, or you can't afford to pay someone to do it, you learn how to do it. And exactly, be it be it um, promoting records, um, you know, engineering, mixing, or what have you, whatever it is you basically learn how to do it and, and get it done. Had to grind more. Get in there and grind. 
you got to work harder, but I'm guessing when something happens, you feel um, better about it. I mean, you feel like a sense of real accomplishment, right? Oh, definitely. Definitely. So during that period, did you guys continue to keep your chops up musically? Did you practice and do that kind of stuff or did you continue writing? We definitely continue writing. Um, in terms of like, again, the band thing, no, uh, we, we kind of just set that aside. We were definitely writing music. Um, we wrote the whole, that nineties album, like it, you know, it took us three years, <laughs> you know, maybe even more if, if I thought about it, but the bottom line is right. yes, we kept writing, but we didn't do the band, the full band performance thing at all. And, and how did you feel about um, the record you guys did get out in 2004? Did you feel like it was representative of where you were at at the time and what you had envisioned? Um, I, personally, I think because we had some, at that point, old songs because of how long it took to get to release it and some more fresh songs, some fresher songs on that record. So it wasn't necessarily during the time frame that we would have wanted to release it, but we did feel okay about the release, you know, about the album um, and its uh, ability to compete. Unfortunately, you know, we didn't necessarily have the that machine behind us or uh, the resources to promote right. it properly. We need we needed marketing, way more marketing. Right. right. Yeah. Well, right today it's a double-edged sword. You know, if you hit it right, you can get something viral across through you know channels that have a little yeah. barrier. But then there's That's so much no- noise out there that can be hard to be heard. So, right, yeah. yeah. Um, so you start performing again. How was it? You know, when you guys got back out there on the stage together, both internally and what you got from the audiences. I think it was like riding a bike. You just pick back up where we left off. And, you know, our fans, they never went anywhere. They loyal. Yeah, you, you certainly don't forget how to play the music. And so uh, relearning the, the steps um, was probably <laughs> the hardest thing. Um, we know how to sing the songs, how to play the songs. But, yeah, you know, just kind of getting our our foot uh, footing back again was um somewhat of a challenge but other than that yeah we we just we fit right in the crowd loved it so yeah i think we were cool did you incorporate any newer songs or new material or only the hits that everyone knows Uh, i think we just played the hits yeah and so how how did that evolve um you know over the next 10, 20 years, because, you know, I know you guys were doing some shows just a few years back, even with, with Melvin, right? Right. Um, There was a rift uh, because of royalties, uh, royalty discrepancies throughout the years that kind of unfolded over time. And because of that, he decided to go solo again. And so that's what he did. And we decided to keep it, keep the, you know, keep it going. So Gerald and I, now let, let me just uh, say this as well. Gordon and Greg um, are with the band 
but they're not touring. They're not doing shows. They have health issues that they're battling, so they're not able to come out. However, they are still a part of the band. Uh, we are a corporation, okay? Uh, so all six original members are still a part of the corporation, the Radio for the World Corporation, although we operate separately, uh, especially live. Uh, so with that said, Gerald and I still go out and do shows. Uh, we have two phenomenal singers. We have great musicians. Um, Valdez Brantley, I just want to mention some of these guys. Valdez Brantley, you know, he tours with Usher, uh, Mary J. Blige. I mean, just the list goes on and on. He's, a, he's our music director. He also directs for Usher uh, on his live stuff. Uh, and he's just, he's phenomenal as a musician. Uh, we have a great bassist out of Monroe, Michigan. Um, we have a keyboard player out of Flint. Um, Antoine Kirkland. A Antoine Kirkland. Uh, um, uh, Lamar Hall is the bass player. And then we have a great singer out of uh, Virginia. His name is David Live. And we're bringing this, basically we're tapping into new talent as well. So right. we have a, a female uh, she goes by the name of P. Illy that we're introducing. So we're starting to bring her out uh, and let her do a, a few songs and we'll be releasing some material on her as well. And for uh, fans, you know, are the other guys uh, using the band name at all uh, besides you Is it, or you're only using the band name? Uh, yes, they, we went to court about this. Um, and the judge decided that any member, any shareholder of the corporation is able to use the name. You know, I, I, I disagree with that. I think, you know, I'm a shareholder right. of Apple. I'm a shareholder of Facebook slash Meta. I don't get to use that name like as I, I, as I feel. However, the judge decided that's, that's how we need to run our corporation. So be it. Uh, so we find ourselves in competition with the lead singer because of this. And that's OK, too. Um, you know, we, we're just going to put out a better version of Ready for the World than he will. And that's where we stand with it. And that's what right. we've been doing. And so to what extent has this new uh, version of Ready for the World performed to date? Uh, we've we've done shows consistently without Melvin. Uh, we're rebranding ourselves. So we're putting 2.0 on that because of the, the, the additional singers that we're going to be showcasing. Uh, so we, we do want to make that distinction that there's something right. different about this. Um, yet we still, we're going to play the hits as we recorded them. So that's what they're going to hear. All the bands from the 70s and 80s, you know, deal with similar circumstances um, and have to figure out how to, you know, name or brand or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Whether I think Gap Band guys are doing Gap Band Plus or something and just, you know. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's a shame, you know, if there's acrimony, you know, but um, sounds like, you know, you guys are keeping it true to the original source, you know, and, um, yeah, definitely hoping you can do some new stuff too. Um, was I right in seeing that, uh, 10 years ago or so you guys did a cover of someone's watching me? 
Is that right? No. Well, no, Melbourne might have, but no, that wasn't us. That wasn't. Yeah, that wasn't us. For the that world. wasn't the group. Right. Okay. That was a curiosity for sure that I came across. And uh, and then a single came out a few years ago. Was that you all or was that also Melbourne? It dep- well, we've been releasing material, so uh, so is Melbourne. The title. Right. Was it, you have um, a title. It was 2018. Um, so much life. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That that was that was us. So okay. much life is was us. That got up to number thirty, number twenty nine on the R and B charts. Um, uh, we we promoted that song. Um, yet again, there was some friction between. Well, the bottom line is the singer that we had then we no longer have. Uh, so. It's just another part of this business where you have to switch gears. And so we've done that. You got to be resilient, right? Resilience, yes, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, like the eyes about it, you got to roll the punches. No doubt. Uh, so how can uh, people keep up with, you know, what you have coming, whether it's live or you're going to do some recorded music? Sure. Um, we have, we're on social media, uh, predominantly ready for the world official. So at ready for the world official, uh, for Twitter and YouTube, it's, uh, at RTW music website, ready for the world.com. Um, and in terms of, um, keeping up with the, the concerts, uh, bands in town.com. And you can go out there and you'll see where we are. Plus, you can you can go to our website under events. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're revamping our website, so we should have that up by next week. Uh, it's up already, but the new uh, website should be up by next week. Okay. Uh, the existing all, website looks pretty good to me, so yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah it's going to be better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Way updated. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure, you know, the fans out there are going to appreciate so much you getting back out there and, and keeping those songs going. I mean, uh, the, like, uh, Gerald was alluding to the, the timelessness, the enduring, uh, love and affection for the music just lives on. That's got to be just so heartwarming. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I, you know, I'll tell oh, you yeah. to, to live in this day and age, uh, where, you no longer buy records. You no longer even download records, but records are being streamed. And, you know, we are averaging somewhere in the neighborhood. This is yearly. Uh, I want to, oh man, I can't remember the number. Maybe it's monthly. 18 million some odd streams uh, per month. Uh, you know, just to have that love shown on a constant basis. To, and right. it, it be reflected through royalties, uh, you know, that is phenomenal. You know, 30 plus years later, we're still getting that type of money royalty wise. So, you know, I, I mean, man, I'm humbled by that right. and grateful. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Yes. What's uh, maybe a, a track that didn't get over? I think, Willie, you actually alluded to one from, or maybe more than one from that first record, but could each of you, uh, pick for viewers like a song maybe that wasn't a hit single, 
but it's in the catalog and you think that they should go back and, and really give it a listen, check it out because you think it was, you know, really a favorite of yours. So, um, Gerald, is there a go track ahead, like that, deep, a, a, an album track that, that you think deserves a special attention? Um, some people don't care. I'm going to say that. Go check that out on the first album. It's entitled Some People Don't Care. It's funky. It's nice. Check it out. Some people don't care. Sounds good. And for me, uh, it, again, I'm going to say Out of Town Lover. And and I'm also going to, from the third third album, no, fourth album, I'm going to say uh, Lot of Body. Why that, one. Why that one? Just because the groove? It, I think it just missed the mark. I, I think everyone around that record, it, it missed, they missed the mark on that one. I, I, I yeah. thought that that would have been um, almost as good as O'Sheela, you know, right. if it had had the machine behind it and it had everything, you know. It'll so. have your hair bobbing, like the Beyonce yeah. song. It'll have yeah. your hair bobbing like that. Yeah, in an altered dimension, it would have been like an Oshila, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Different yeah. timing, oh, yeah. different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Correct. You know? um, and what is your favorite song to perform live? Mm-hmm. With me, I'm going to say Love You Down. Is that just because you enjoy playing it or because the crowd just swoons so much over it? Because uh, it's heartfelt and the way the audience react to it. And just sonically, I just love the way that track, how it, you know, the side stick and the instrumentation, the melody. It's almost like the Full Force song. Was that Full Force? No, mm-hmm. Force and D's. For some D's, uh, yeah. Tender, so, love? Tender, yeah. tender Love. Yeah, yeah. So all that just tie yeah. in together is like, Man, yeah, that's my. Yeah. I, I would have to agree. I mean, you know, I, I can give you some songs that I have fun on stage with, but um, I think crowd satisfaction is probably the best high. And so, uh, and Love You Down is probably that song. So I, I'll go with that as well. Do you think Ready for the World gets the credit and attention nowadays that it deserves? No. No, they need to call us to do some award shows, to do some presentations, <laughs> to do some verses, to do something. So, so, so to that, I'm going to say this: <laughs> the artists, yes, the artist gives us love, but the industry doesn't. Correct, and, and there's a difference. Correct. So, so I, I think that's what it is. That's what Gerald's talking about. Correct. You know, they they can show us a little. The industry can show us a little bit more love, but the artists definitely. I mean, you know, all the Much remix right. sampling. You know, yeah, yeah. And then when they see us, they showing love. I mean, so yeah, you know, artists definitely give us that re- that respect. Exactly, and back at them too. My last question for you guys is, you know, what are you each most proud of accomplishing in your musical career? Um, being able to survive this long um, and just being able to give back to my family. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to say because I don't want to, I'd rather, basically, it's, it's the amount of people we've touched and the different generations that we've been able to touch. Uh, when I run into someone who either recognizes me or learn who I am, they tell me their parents used to listen to their music. So they listen to, uh, you know, our music and, and, you know, I mean, that type of love, that impact, you know, I, I think uh, says a lot. And that's probably, probably the greatest accomplishment is Facts. how many people we've been able to touch. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when it comes down to it, that's what it's all about, right? Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Is there any other message you want to get out to your fans before we wind this up? Just stay tuned for the new Ready for the Real 2.0 that's coming out. We got stuff out there now, but we got new stuff coming out with new artists, new lead singers. And look for our upcoming shows. We got one yes. coming up in uh, August in Long Beach, August uh, 20th. Seen a lot yes. of good shows in Long Beach. I, I, I'm from oh, LA, yeah. so yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Went to a lot of funk fests in Long Beach. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Rick James, back in day, the day, I saw the uh, Prince uh, Time Vanity Six show at, at Long Beach. Oh, Rome. sweet. Yeah. So Sweet. Well, we're definitely going to keep our eyes and ears open for that. And, you know, thank you guys so much for doing this. And thank you so much for all the music through the years, too. Well, thank, oh, thank you. you. Thank you for having us. And keeping keeping that music alive because that's right. that's really what it's all about. Keeping yeah, it we alive. We appreciate it. Definitely appreciate that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net, and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven results-oriented professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing on to the rhythm of the 